0: So they tell of this old Jewish immigrant um, who who went by the name of Sean Ferguson. And Sean Ferguson. And they asked him, how did you get a name, Sean Ferguson? You, You immigrated to this country. Was that your name back in Europe? And he says, no. He said, I had. They told me when I come to this country, I need a more Americanized name. So I Americanized my name, and then I came to the immigration and they asked me for my name and I couldn't remember what my Americanized name was. So I said Shoin Ferguson, which is Yiddish for I forgot. <laughs> and he wrote, fella wrote down Sean Ferguson. So yeah, we Jews have funny sources sometimes for our name. Um, so, but Jews have remained a nation apart from other nations for over 3000 years and we've kept to ourselves to a large extent while well, we've intermingled with other nations um, and we've um, done work with them and lived among them but we, kept, we tended to also keep our own Jewish culture, and as a result, we kept our own names. This is true for given names. Historically, Jews had Jewish-sounding given names, as well as it's true for our family names. Not all Jews sometimes change their family names to non-Jewish-sounding names, including sometimes when they came to the United States, even some of the European names are non-Jewish sounding or fit with wherever the names of wherever they came from. But most Jewish family names were recognized Jewish names. Now, the truth is, Jews did not always have last names, uh, family names. Um, it evolved, as we're soon going to see, over time. And the names themselves also evolved over time. They didn't stay generally stay constant. So if we go back to the Torah... The Torah uh, identifies most people that are identified in the Torah are identified by their father's name. So we say someone, Ben, someone else, right? Yehoshua, Ben, Bin, Nun. Kalev, Ben, Yefune, Nachshon, Ben, Aminadav. These are all people mentioned in the Torah and we say their name. And Ben, their father's name. This is a tradition that's been around for a very, 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 very long time from the days of Moses. We were calling people Ben. Um, and over time, sometimes it changed because in Hebrew, son of is Ben. In Aramaic, when, after the Babylonian exile, about 2,400 years ago, we spoke Aramaic as a spoken language. Most Jews spoke Aramaic. Um, For a very long time, about a thousand years, it was the main Jewish language. And in Aramaic, it was Bar, was son of. Um, Later, we spoke Arabic. Arabic was the main Jewish spoken language for at least a big, very large percentage of Jews um, for a very, very long time also. Um, And in Arabic, it was Ibn. Um, But people were generally called by their father's name. And until today, we still have that relic. When people are called up to the Torah, we call them up. When we call Jewish men up to the Torah, we call them up as their name, Ben, their father's name. But it's not only for Jewish men, it's for everyone. When we write a marriage document, a ketubah, when people get married, we write their name and their father's name. If we write, or even a get, a divorce document, we also write their name and their father's name. We use it on tombstones. We write the individual's name and their father's name. When reciting the Yisker prayer, the memorial prayer, or the Kel Maleh Rachamim, the um, prayers for the the deceased, we also use the name (laughs) along with the father's name. In fact, what we could say our official Jewish name is our Jewish name, Ben, our father's name. Now there is an exception when someone's sick, God forbid. And we pray for them, and we mention their name in prayer. We mention their name, then their mother's name. And the reason for that is, while identity historically always went through the father, through the patrilineal line, although we'll see there were some exceptions, um, our Jewish soul comes from our mother. If our mother, someone's mother is Jewish, and they're Jewish. So the Jewish soul comes from the mother. So when we pray for someone, we always invoke their mother's name. Their mother, because that's where the soul came from. So we always pray for someone with their name and their mother's name. In fact, in many communities, the custom is also when we pray for the deceased. Like during Yisker, and in, um, and, or Kelmale Rachamim, we actually mention, many communities mention the, their name and the mother's name. Rather than the father's name, again, because you're really praying for a soul and the soul comes from the mother. So we always had that name and father's name, but it wasn't a family name because every, only siblings had the same father's name. But anyone else had a different name. Now, when we first started as a nation, we were split into 12 tribes. And in the Torah, people are identified based on which tribe they came from. It was essentially, we could call it a family name. It wasn't the name people were normally called, the way we would call people today, first and last name. But people were, you want to identify somebody, you would say which tribe they came from. Over time, the tribe split into various families. The Torah itself mentions 65 Jewish families um, are mentioned in the Torah itself. And people over time are mentioned, are identified by their families, sometimes called by the, family, by the family name. Sometimes they're called their name and their father's name. Sometimes they're called by the family name. Successor to Joshua was Atniel ben Kenaz, following his father's name. Um, later we have one of the judges is called Yiftach ha the Giladite. Gilad was his family, his, the family that they came from. It wasn't a family name as we would identify family names today, but people were identified sometimes by their tribe, most often by their tribe, but sometimes by the specific family they came from. During the temple period, many families became very, some families became very prominent, particularly the Kohanic families. There were certain families of Kohanim, descendants of Aaron, or Levite families that were very prominent. For example, many times in scripture it speaks of the Kohanim Benet Sadok, the sons of Tzadok. Tzadok was a high priest in the days of King David, and his family descendants became very prominent among the Kohanim. They were a very prominent Kohanic family. So they're known as the sons of Tzadok family. It's not clear that the people were actually called and identified like that when people called them the way we'd call people today, but they were referred to as that. Another family was the family of Korach. Korach is infamous in the Torah, but later his family becomes a prominent family. So, um, by the Second Temple period, there were many Kohanic and Levite families. In fact, the Kohanic families were split into 24 different groups. All the Kohanim were split into 24 families, and often people are called, based on the Kohanic family they came from, and they're often called Ben, son of, and then the Kohanic family. And that's the way they refer referred to, not Ben their father, but Ben the Kohanic family. Um, the same, there were a number of prominent Levite families. There were also a number of prominent Judean families from the, fam- from the tribe of Judah, which most Jews by then were from the tribe of Judah, because... The other tribes had been exiled earlier, and many of them, um, we don't know what happened to them. So most were descendants of Judah. There were many prominent Judean families, also during Second Temple period, and people were often referred to um, by that family. Over time, yes? Um, people who have a last name, a Cohen today, are they uh, descendants? I'm going to get to that. Very good question. I will get that very soon. So... In this ed- Toward the end of the Second Temple Period, there were certain families that became famous for their wealth. Very successful families. And people were known as being members of those families. Um, the, one, of the most wel- one of the wealthiest families in Israel during the late Second Temple Period was the Ben Kalba Savua family. Literally, it means the son of the satisfied, or maybe you could say fat dog, that dog was an expression of their wealth, right? They were very, very wealthy. Um, but that was their name, Ben-Kalba Savu. It was a very prominent, it was a very, it was a very, very prominent family. Um, Rabbi Akiva famously ma- married a member of that family. She was disowned by her family for marrying him uh, initially, but he, she was a member of that very, very wealthy family. Another very wealthy, prominent family Um, in Jerusalem, was the Ben-Gurion family. A lot of people were known as Ben-Gurion. Naktimon Ben-Gurion was a very wealthy individual mentioned in the Talmud from that prominent family. Um, Josephus identifies himself as Ben-Gurion, although historians question as to whether he was really part of that family or he just made that up. Um, So, over time, we lost the original tribal identities. Most of us no longer know which tribe we're from. Just about all of us, except for our Levites. Um, The original family identities were lost. But many prominent families continued to use family names, which evolved over time. We don't really have any family names today, um, besides Cohen and Levites, which we'll talk about soon, that really trace back to... Um, that really trace back to temple times. Uh, most early Jewish family names today trace back to when Jews first moved to Europe, which go back about a 1,000 to 1,200 years. And as communities grew in Europe, in Italy, Spain, France, Germany, by the 11th century, or by the 10 hundreds, there were more Jews in Europe than anywhere else in the world. Until then, most Jews lived in the Middle East, first in Israel, in Babylon, Mesopotamia, Persia, Iran, uh, Syria, Egypt, that's where most Jews had lived. Um, it was, but then the nine hundreds of thousands of Jews moved in very large numbers to Europe, and by the thousands, 10 hundreds, uh, most Jews lived in Europe. And there were many prominent Jewish families in these places that became people became known by their family name, and even today, when these individuals are referred to, some of them were scholars that wrote books, so we still speak about them, um, or prominent rabbis, or even we found we have tombstones that go back pretty far. They're always called with their family. And some of the early prominent families that are still around today are Rappaport, which is Italian in its origin, Shapiro, which is German, usually thought to be from Spire, Landau, which is also German, Wall, which is German, Katzenellenbogen, which most of them have since shortened their name, but it was a very prominent Jewish name in Europe, Luri, which is German in its origin, Horowitz, or Horowitz, or it became Russianized in Russian, there's no, there's no H. So it became Gurowitz, or Gurowitz in Ukrainian, I think there's no H. Um, it became Gurowitz. Um, it was also a town in Germany, but those were prominent Ashkenazic names. Um, in Sephardic communities, there were also many prominent names, like Abarbanel and Chaviv, Vidal, Espinosa, ben, uh, ben, Ven, ben Venisti, Zucato, Doni Yichye, Danichia, by the way, was the name um, of a family that traced themselves back to the royal Jewish family of Iraq, of Babylon. Um, Israel was led by a Jewish royal Jewish family that traced themselves back to King David. Um, the Abu'av is another example. There were many of these early prominent Jewish families and Jews that were known by these names because they came from these very prominent families. Most Jews, though, did not have family names. These prominent people had family names. They were mostly wealthy, successful families, um, and th- their descendants kept the names. But most Jews, their patrilineal descendants usually, most Jews were not members of these families. They were a minority. They usually they tended to be the leaders. They tended to be wealthy. They often tended to be the scholars because they had the money to send their children off to school uh, for many years to study. But they were, they were the prominent families, but they were not the majority. Most Jews were still known by their father's names, along with, sometimes along with their occupation, sometimes by the, name they, by the name of the town they came from. But they were just known in every each generation. That person was known by their father's name, or the town they came from, or their occupation, but they weren't, it wasn't a family that kept the name from generation to generation. It was really just the prominent families that retained these family names over generations. Uh, I think there's about 50 prominent Ashkenazic family names that kind of continued for close to a thousand years. Similar number of pr- prominent Sephardic Spanish uh, or Italian names Um, that also (laughs) survived many of them moved back and forth in other words often there were people particularly with Sephardic names that ended up in Eastern Europe after the expulsion Um, Italian names that ended up in Spain or in Germany so they, they tended to move, Jews moved around a lot of course Families intermarried, that could be. Thank you for sharing that. Yes, that could be. So during what we call the period of enlightenment, when people tried to organize our world and make things more structured, that was the uh, movement that led to the creation of our own republic here in the United States. This is in the 1700s of the 18th century. Um, There was a movement to organize things, make government more coordinated, uh, make things know who's who, be able to collect proper taxes. And so there was a movement that, to encourage everybody to have family names. And so the first major country to introduce a requirement that everyone have family names was the Austrian-Hungarian Empire in 1797. It required all people to have family names. It's pretty recent when you think about it. Um, following that, in the next couple decades, especially with the um, Napoleonic Wars, which brought a lot of Enlightenment ideas across Europe because the French, wherever they conquered, forced a lot of Enlightenment ideas in the places that they arrived in. And many of those ideas, even after the French defeat, remained. So, um, so as a result, most of Europe, within the next two, three decades, um, introduced universal family names, where everyone needed a family name, and had to register with local officials their name, their family name, all the people in their family, and so that there should be a proper registration and everyone should be easily trackable and easily findable. You should know who's who. Um, in, uh, it wasn't until the last major country to adopt family names in Europe was the Russian Empire, which wasn't until 1845 that they adopted family names, but everybody was required to have a family name. So for many Jews, when family names became universal, and everyone needed a family name. So all the Jews adopted family names. Um, For many Jews who already had family names, who were part of a prominent family, that was very easy. They just registered, usually, their existing family name some Jews had titles, Jewish titles like Cohen or Levi, so they generally registered their title, though not always. Some people could be Cohenim or Levites that are, don't have the name Cohen or Levi. Most of the Jewish families either chose nicknames they were already known for, their father's name, their mother's name, as we'll see, um, their, their um, occupation, the town they came from, nicknames they were already known for, or in some places, sometimes they chose random names, nice-sounding names, kind of a... They opened the book like you choose a name today and um, found a nice-sounding name that they chose from. So I'll give you a brief overview of some common Jewish family names. Um, someone asked earlier about a w- websites. There are many, many websites that offer explanations for family names, some legitimate, some not. There's a lot I was, as I was... B- um, as I was Um, uh, surfing around, looking around for um, preparation for this class. Um, There's a lot of garbage out there. Um, A lot of what I'm going to share now comes from our website, which feeds from Chabad.org and has a whole section over there on Jewish family names. So you could go to our website, jccmb.com, and just put in the keyword family names. So the most common Jewish family name today is Cohen. 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 As many as 5% of Jews, um, close to 5% of Jews, are Kohanim. Kohanim meaning um, descendants of all Kohanim would be patrilineal descendants directly through the father's line, descendants of Moses' brother Aaron, Kohanim who served in the temple. Uh, whose ancestors served in the temple, who have a special role, get a special aliyah in the synagogue, have a special role to bless the people. He once did a class on Kohanim and have special roles within Judaism and therefore retained, their, um, retained the family history of them being Kohanim. Now, the name comes in many variations. There is Khan, Kahana, which is Aramaic for Kohanim, Kagan, which is the Russianized or the Ukrainianized without the H, tr- turning the H into a G, um, like they do in other names too. Or Kogan um, are also versions of Kohen. Another version of Kohen is the name Katz. Katz stands for, is an acronym for Kohen Tzedek, Righteous Cohen. The name Katz. Now, not all Katzes are kohanim, because many um, Katzes are just shortened versions for other names, like katz and which was one of the most prominent Jewish families historically um, in Europe. And um, coming to the United States, a lot of people didn't like that name. They thought it wouldn't go too well. It was too long. And so many of them shortened their names to Kazen or to katz. So a lot of cats today are not Cohenian, uh, because they're shortened names, um, And for that matter, there are a lot of Cohens um, that are not Cohen, Cohens or Khans, uh, For various reasons, sometimes the family just changed their name to Cohen, because their name was too hard to pronounce, they chose Cohen. Um, or sometimes it's matrilineal. They chose they went after them, they followed their mother's name, right? they would still halachically not be Kohanim. Or they may be um, through the patrilineal line, but they may have lost their Kohanic status. Um, Depending the certain... If a Kohen marries somebody who a Kohen is forbidden to marry, such as a a divorcee, their child would not be considered a Kohen. Or a Kohen who marries a non-Jew, their child would not be Jewish. There are many, many non-Jewish Kohens today. Um, So they would not be... Cohen's from the family, from the, with the Kohanic status, even though their last name is Cohen. Now, of course, there are many Kohanim who don't have the Kohen last name, have other last names. One of the prominent Jewish families, um, historically, was Rappaport in the Ashkenazi community. Um, Rappaport come from the um, Italian town of Porto, and um, rapin is a raven in Italian and that was their coat of arms and so they had the name Rappaport but they were historically Kohanim not all Rappaports are Kohanim because some of them took it on later or came from the matrilineal line but as a rule Rappaports are Kohanim an example of a Sephardic uh, family is Azulai Azulais are generally Kohanim Um, Azulai is even thought to be an acronym ...of the verse in the Torah... Isha zonav lo yukachol, that is um, where the Torah speaks about Kohanim. So it's an acronym of a phrase regarding Kohanim. But not all Kohanim have the name Kohanim. Another very, very common name is Levi or Levi. Um, they are generally descendants of the tribe of Levi. They were Levites from the tribe of Levi... ...who also had a special role um, in the temple... They would um, sing, they would um, be in charge of the, guard the gates, um, and they would help the Cohens in the service of the temples. The Levites had a special role, and so they kept retained, they also get a special reading of the Torah. So they retained their name, many Levites just registered their name, and family name as Levy, Or there are variations, some of them as they came to the New World, changed it to Lou or Louis. A um, Lewin, or someone became Levin, or Levine, um, or generally Levine. not Now again, not all Levites are from the tribe of Levi, are Levites, because it could be matrilineal. Levites are only patrilineal. Um, it could be they adopted it later. It could be they shortened it. They had a name like Lewinsky and um, Levinsky in Yiddish, um, which could be originally Lewinsky's probably Levi also, originally. Son of Levi. But they could have had some other longer names um, and they shortened it and so um, it could be Levi. Now there are many other Levi's who don't go by the name Le- Levi. Um, it's one example of a prominent Jewish family that are Levites are the Horowitzes. Horowitzes are usually um, thought to be from the German town of Hurevitch. and um, they were originally called Hurevich um, in 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 Yiddish, um, and what a prominent member of that family was Rabbi R- R- Yishaiah who was the rabbi of Prague in the 1500s, and um, many Huravitches claim to, de- to be his descendants, or Garwitzes is the Russianized version, but they're generally not all of them, but they're generally Levian Levites. Um, so that's some names. Then there were many Jewish names. Um, a very large number of Jewish names came from um, came from people were named after their fathers or their mothers. Now this could have been some prominent names that, um, especially among Sephardic Jews, there were some prominent names that were after. Fathers or mothers. Um, after fathers in particular. Some of the more earlier names. But particularly later when Jews were required. one was required to choose a name. People were known as son of. They took on their father's name. That became their family name. So people whose father was Isaac. Became Isaac. Or Isaacson. Or Isaacowicz. Um People whose father's name was Yaakov. Jacob became Jacob. Or Jacobson or Jacka Jacka Jacobowitz. Jacka um, people whose father's name was David, David became David, or Davidson, or Davidovich, Davidowitz. Um, Leib became Lebovic. Um, Mendel became Mendelssohn or Mendelovich. Benjamin Benjamin became Benjaminson. Aaron became Aronson, or Aronov. Um, Um, Moshe became uh, Moskowitz, Moskovich, right? It's not Moscow. Jews weren't allowed to live in Moscow. So it's not usually Moscow. It's usually Mos... Moscow was a a nickname for Moshe. It was descendants of Moshe. Um, Sephardic communities also had names often preceded by Ben or Bar. So a very prominent Sephardic name was Ben Chaviv. Many... Great rabbis went by the name Ben Chaviv, um, meaning son of Chaviv. Chaviv was presumably the father's name, Ben Chayun, which was also another common name. Um, ben Shimon was is a common Sephardic name. So many of them again went by Ben or Bar, or sometimes just choosing the parents' names. Um, the Rebbe's name, his last name was Schneerson. Because his ancestor, the founder of the Chabad movement's name was Schneer. So they chose the name Schneerson. Now a very surprising, very large number of family names, particularly from Russian Jews, follow not the father's name, but the mother's name. And that's because if we go back to the way Jews were called, right from communication many Jews were actually called by their mothers, by a woman, by the mother's name. Um, they were called, um, people were called after Rivka, Rivkin, or Rivlin, Riva is a common Yiddish nickname for Rivka. Um, Faga became Fagan, or Faglan. Sarah, right, became um, Sorkin. Tamar became Tamarkin. Bela became Belkin. So many, there are many names that trace themselves back to... Um, there are many names that... Um, right, uh, Rosa became Reitzes. Um, so there are many name, family names that trace themselves back to the mother. And that was usually because there was the family. Sometimes there's a patriarch of the family... And some families have a matriarch, where she's the one that everybody knows. This is, the, she's the mother of the family. She was well known. She was famous. Um, sometimes, perhaps, single women, widows, or um, you know, who had wealthy or you know, powerful or you know, well known. Um, sometimes they could have even had a husband who was a little quieter than them, um, and they, everyone knew him by the mother. Uh, Interestingly, there's a name, there's a common Ashkenazic name, Margolin or Margolis, which come from the name in Hebrew means pearl. Margolit, right, is a pearl. And presumably that came from also people who's from the Yiddish, there's a Yiddish name, Pearl. And that was their mother's name and they called themselves, instead of, there's also Pearlson, Pearlstein, right, is also after Pearl, but they turned it, they, they Hebrewized it and called themselves Margolin or Margolis. So in many, many places, um, people were called based on their city of origin, where they came from. And that's because the way people used to be referred to, um, even after they had last names, when people would be referred to, they would often be called where they, based on the town that they came from. That's the way people were always called Historically in Europe, um, people used to refer to them as someone who came from out of town. They would refer to them by the town that they came from. So, a lot of towns, a lot of places, names come from the towns they came from. And you know which town you came from based on your last name, right? It helps you know which town you came from. Um, Many of the earlier names that we mentioned Hurovich is a town in in Germany. Luri is a town in Italy. Rapport is Porto is a town in Italy. Um, many so many of the names, um, Frankel is a town in Germany. Um, and so many of the names are from German, Epstein, Arbach, these are all German towns. Um, some of them came from Ukrainian towns um, or Polish towns. Brody is a Polish town. 'm um, 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 trying to think of others offhand um, Prague prager Prager Posen is a town that 's now in Poland was then in Germany um, Danziger is from Danzig, which is Gdansk nowadays in Poland. Um, some people were called um, Deutsch, which just means German they were of German origin um, Wiener weiner wiener is from Vienna. Um, oh, that's my name. Yes. Um, some people are called Polak, which would be from Poland. Ungar um, or Ungar would be from Hungary. So we're often, we're just called by the um, towns, cities, locations we come from. Some would be called, um, or from the Russian names are like Minsky, Pinsky um, are from those towns. Um, Minsk or Pinsk. So many Jews simply go back to towns that they came from. Um, in fact, my own name um, is Gordon. Right? That's, not a, that's a very common Irish name. Right? But it's also a very common Jewish name, Gordon. Um, it's unclear exactly where it comes from, but the theory is that it comes from a Lithuanian town called Grodno. It was a Lithuanian town called Grodno, which is where it, which is where the, that's the common theory of where it came from there after that town. There is another theory that it has an Irish origin, um, and that is, um, there was actually a, um, a British noble in the 1700s, an Irish noble, um, who converted to Judaism. Um, his name was Lord Gordon. Um, and uh, I think he was a member of parliament, but he converted to Judaism. He was later killed for um, being Jewish, as in the 1700s in England, uh, for becoming Jewish. Um, but while he was Jewish, he did a lot to support the Eastern European Jewish community. And so Jews that he was helped by, that he helped, named themselves after him um, and called their name Gorin. That's another theory where it came from. We don't know for certain. Uh, there's no records of it. Um, so then, so those are those are location-based names. Um, many names are after their uh, were after professions, right? Jews were called Schmidt which is Smith, right? Or Goldschmidt was goldsmith, right? Zilberschmidt um, silversmith, um, and so th- they're after or sh- then then there's Schuster or uh, Sandler are for shoemakers a Schneider is a tailor in fact um, there's a, there, there was an earlier name that's not so much in use Chayat which is Hebrew for tailor um, which was in use in the Middle Ages um, Melamed is a teacher Shochat or Shechter is the ritual slaughterer the Soifer, the Schreiber would be, a, um, would be a scribe right? the Cantor or the Chazen would be the Cantor right? Um, a Blecher is a Tinsmith um, Kramer is a storekeeper. Miller would be the mill, right? Weber is a weaver. Um, so many of these names, um, Rab- Rabinovich would be the rabbi, right? Or son of the rabbi, right? There was another um, name less common today, but more common in earlier days. People changed it. That's why they're less common today. Babad. Babad was Ben Avbetin the son of the. Um, the head of the court was called Bab. So many of the, sometimes they're added with a surname, man at the end, like Fleischman, Fleisch is neat, right, butcher. Coopersmith would be, um, or Cooper Smith would be coppersmith, or Cooperman would be um, coppersmith. Um, Wasserman would be the water carrier, would be called Wasserman, right. Um, Kaufman, Kauf means to buy, right, so the Purchaser or the merchant, maybe. Fishman would be a fish merchant. Schusterman, right, would be a shoemaker. Wineman, Sorry? Wineman, right, would be a winemaker, right? Or it could be, vine could be from Vienna. It was, it was from Vienna. Okay. It could be either. So those are some common sources of names. Um, Now, in the Austrian-Hungarian Empire, as well as in Germany, maybe Jews were more sophisticated. I don't know if that's the right term. But Jews, when they began to choose last names that they didn't already have, had to choose these family names, some just chose nice-sounding names. And it's almost all Jews from Galicia, Hungary, Austria, Germany, from the Germany or Austrian-Hungarian Empire have these nice-sounding names. So some of them like to call themselves after different trees. They call themselves Taitelbaum, a date tree. Um, mandelbaum, an almond tree. Tenenbaum, um, a our applebaum. Uh, tenenbaum is a fir tree. Ap- applebaum is an apple tree. Birnbaum is a pear tree. Nussbaum is a nut tree. Greenbaum is a green tree. Um, Rosenbaum. Is a tree of rose rose tree. Um, sometimes they call themselves after mountains, right? Berg, berg is a mountain, so they call themselves Goldberg, golden mountain, Greenberg, green mountain, Eisenberg, I- I- iron mountain, Rosenberg, rose mountain, right? Sometimes they call themselves after field, right? Weinfeld, um, Blumen, vine is wine or um, Blumenfeld is flowers, flower field, Rosenfeld, rose field, Um, or they call themselves after flowers, right, so they call themselves Rosenblum, right, which would be, uh, bloom is flower, right, rose flower. Um, Some call themselves after branches, gold swag, which would be, swig is a flower, gold flower, a gold branch, Rosenzweig, rose branch, um, some after a tal, a valley, which would be rosenthal, right? Blumenthal, rose um, valley, flower valley, or garden, right? Such as um, boengarten would be tree garden. Weingarten um, would be a wine garden. Some chose stones, stein, right? It's just called themselves stein, just stone, or they call themselves Goldstein, Goldstone, um, or Silverstein, Sil- Sil- Silverstein, Silverstone, Eisenstein, Ironstone, Kuperstein, Copperstone, Rotstein, Rothstein, right? Redstone. Um, some call themselves after animals. Um, they call themselves Hirsch, Deer, or Adler, which is Eagle, or Hecht, which is a Pike, or Carp, which is a carp, um, or wolf, which is a wolf. right? Sometimes they call themselves after different animals. Um, Generally, the animals came from upper-class Germany, from families that had a coat of arms. Coat of arms was very common, but there was kind of an item that they had in their signature. They would put in their signatures. And most of the animals were from the coat of arms. They chose different animals, and that would be their signature. And so that's what they chose later. some people chose descriptive names that describe them. Um, these are the descriptive names. The single-syllable descriptive names are almost always Hungarian. They're almost always Hungarian in origin. For some reason, the Hungarian Jews liked them when they were choosing names. Um, this is again in the late 1700s. Um, some include Klein, Klein, right, which is small, um, or Kleinman, um, or. Gross, gross is gross is big, so or Grossman, Grossbaum is big tree. Um, some chose alt, old like Altman, um, Alter. Some chose colors, Schwarz, black or Schwarzman, Schwarzman, right? Some or Weiss, Weiss, right? Or Weissman is white. Or some chose Reut, red, right? Rot, Roth, Rothman, right? Reut, Rothman. Or some chose Gel, yellow. Um, Geller or um, Gelman. Uh, Some chose Bloy, right? Blue Or, or green, right? Green, right? Greenwald is a green forest. Uh, adapt, uh, adapting the uh, surnames, last names at the late eight, uh, 1700s in the Austro-Hungarian Empire, was it only by the Jews? No, everyone had to do everyone. it. Everyone. So, so all other Germans The Jews chose Yiddish names. So that's why they're different. Everyone else chose names in their own language. Um, the Jews chose Yiddish names. There's a tale, they say, about how Jews had to pay money to get the better name and they used to joke about people who had bad-sounding names like Zaltz, Salt, or Zaltzman, Saltman, um, that they didn't have money to pay. Um, It's largely thought to be a myth. We don't have any evidence that that actually ever happened. Uh, Whatever names people chose, um, they chose it because that's what they chose. Um, But again, in the, the choosing random names. It was more in the Austrian-Hungarian Empire. It's rare among Russian Jews. Russian Jews with these kinds of names usually have Hungarian ancestry. Because there was a lot of movement always back and forth. I heard that the Rothschilds had a red sign in front of their business. And so, or a shield like a sign. And that's when they picked the name Rothschild. Maybe. 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 Chances are we don't know a lot of the names where they came from. A lot of it's guessing. Chances are that most of the colors had to do with people's complexion. The people who were red-headed were called rot. People that were, um, and people that were um, blonde were called gal, yellow. I, mean, I don't know how they got green and blue. It was probably not complexion. But uh, many of the other black, white, were probably, a lot of those were probably complexion-related. Not Not necessarily. Um, some other common names was um, Erlich, which means upright or good person. Um, Reich, people like that name. Reich is um, rich, right? Reichman, ri- Reichman is rich, right? Sorry? No, but in Yiddish, in Yiddish that's empire. In Yiddish, it's rich. Um, or you have Orem. Or Oremland, right? Orem is poor. Um, freed, freed is either happy or peaceful, sharp, is intelligent, smart. Um, so that's there, so just some samples of where names come from. Um, there are a lot of places you could go and find your exact name where they came from. And well, Again, most names like my own, we don't know exactly where they came from. Uh, many names were changed, especially when our grandparents came to this country. My grandmother's, her maiden name was Simpson. Now Simpson's not a very Jewish sounding name. Um, they had a different name that was hard to pronounce before they came to this country. It was Yeichl, which was a hard to pronounce name and so when they came to this country, their father, my great-grandfather, his father's name was Shimon so they called him Shimonson but then they Americanized Shimonson to Simpson. So yes, that's how Jews have all sorts of non-Jewish sounding names because they were Americanized and they were changed or shortened over time. Um, A lot of, you know, a lot of names were were shortened. So it's hard sometimes to trace a name. Um, Often you go back to immigration um, and research, but then when you go further back to the old country, it's often hard to trace exactly where it came from. Let me finish off and then I'll take some questions. The Jews did not always have family names, as we mentioned. However, we did place a premium on family. And we were always identified by our family. We never really had a class or class system or aristocracy, but we did tend to put a great premium on family in what we call the yichus, yichus is a Yiddish word, really a Hebrew word for lineage. It really mattered where you came from who your parents were, who your grandparents were, where your history was. We Jews were very into tracking our history. In fact, many authors at the beginning of their books write a quick thing about their family history. All their grandparents and their great-grandparents going back generations and generations and generations. And while we're too far to be able to trace ourselves all the way going back to, um, to the days of Moses or even to the day, days of the Temple period... Um, It's too many generations. Uh, We've lost track. But many Jews historically were able to go back multiple generations and had this strong sense of history of where we came from. And we Jews, of course, are unique. We were born into the Jewish people. We're part of a unique people, which is part of our identity. But within our people, each one of us has a unique connection to our Jewish family, to our legacy, to our history. And part of our role is to continue that legacy. We see ourselves as having a role in continuing the legacy of our grandparents. And that's why family has always been so important to Jews. It's always been so important that we are living on a legacy. We're continuing on a history. We're part of a chain, if you will, a link in a chain over multiple generations. And we see it continuing. Our role is to have our own impact to make our own impact for the next generations, that the next generations continue that history as well. So it's important to go back to our history. Know where our parents came from. Know where our grandparents came from. Research a lot. Today it's become easier with the internet. You have Ancestry.com and all these other places you can research your history. Um, But now um, with all these family WhatsApp groups, you come discover all these long-lost relatives you never knew. But... Our, le- our family is really our legacy. What we stand for, who we are, and the legacy that we're continuing, that continues throughout the generations. And it's our role to continue that legacy. It's family is important because we work to continue that legacy and pass it on to the next generations. So yes, family names are a technicality, which is why not all Jews had family names till the last 200 plus years. but. While we may not have all had family names, we all had this sense of legacy, who our ancestors were. And we all track that legacy in order to continue that legacy. It's an important part of who we are. We should know our legacy and work to build on that legacy and work to continue it and make sure the next generation continues that legacy.